I need to type some stuff into our group chat here just to move this Moise. Pikachu off my screen. There. Are you typing with your toes? I was just going to ask. I'm like, dude. <laughs> um, I've been staring at that Pikachu this entire time we've been doing our prep for episode 132 of We Were Gamers, a podcast. Not today, probably about Pikachu. Um, I but mean, I just we'll see where the, the talk takes us. <laughs> yeah, well, we could start with I watched a bunch of people play Let's Go Pikachu. Okay. Um, yeah. Dive Welcome right back. In. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, Let's Go Pikachu is a weird game. Did you play the the Pokemon Go? Yes. Okay. okay. So I'm Andrew. JJ's here. Hello. Michael's here. Hey, everybody. We were the gamers. Uh, I did play Pokemon Go. I uninstalled it from my phone quite a bit of time ago, though friend of the pod, Ryan, um, constant Nintendo contributor uh, and Smash Brothers Insano person who will probably be on the podcast in two weeks uh, to talk about that as the game launches. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, That's coming out. Dang. Yeah, dude. So close. Two weeks. Not even. Um has told me that I should probably reinstall that because apparently if you played at launch, all your original Pokemon are like really souped up with luck stones and things like that because they were doing a thank you thing for the people that played early. Um, and that's tied in because you can actually trade from that game into this other game. I heard about this, but it's one way and it deletes yes. them from your online phone game. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can see if you're at a point where you're like I'm okay with this and I'm not really going back. As clearly he's already uninstalled it. That if you wanted to make that jump, okay, that part makes sense. I think a lot of people also catch a lot of things in that game. There's kind of an unlimited supply of Pokemon you can catch. Oh well, yeah, I mean you know there's an unlimited supply in that tall grass too. I'm just saying, but sure it might cut down your time though. In let's go Pikachu of collecting the original 150 Pokemon. Yeah, definitely. If you could transfer in, like, you know, your 70 rats or 300 Pidgeys or whatever, you might as well. Yeah, or let's say you got, like, evolutions, like a Doug Trio or something, then you don't have to spend time evolving things that are not in your team, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, look, go for it, man. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it. If you already did half the work of catching some of them, no reason to re-catch. Let's Go Pikachu is basically Pokemon Yellow. Um, I don't know if you guys played that game where it's Pokemon Red, but you start with Pikachu instead of the normal three. No, I think I just had Red and Blue. Okay. I didn't it's, play that version, but I get the idea. Yeah, it's the same game. You just start with a Pokemon that follows you around. Um, and then they took out all the RPG stuff. Yeah, this is the part that's <laughs> wild about that game. Huh. Okay. But they okay. didn't take it all out. It's not all gone. No, no, no. Um, but the like the grindy stuff of random encounters gone, um, fighting Pokemon to capture them gone, which arguably is a good thing in this modern day and age when people wonder about um, walking into the wild and assaulting wild Pokemon and then throwing them into servitude. I mean, so instead you just throw them directly into servitude. You don't <laughs> fight them at all. <laughs> You're not really um, saving that one, but... I agree with you, and I really wonder how this is going to come up in Detective Pikachu, but, you know, we'll see. They're all uh, friends. Yeah. It was an interesting game. It looks really pretty, and the nostalgia bug hits you real quick, and then when people start describing, well, you know, you don't have to do all the hard work to play this game, it's kind of like, hmm, tempting. Yeah, I mean... Anyway. I see people playing that game, and the thing that I don't want to be a part of is the part where they have to use motion controls to throw the the Pokeballs at the screen all the time. You're just, like, sitting there trying to catch Pokemon, and you're, like, waving your arm up and down like a crazy person throwing Pokeballs at the screen. Just like So I wonder you if go. you play it mobile, though, if you have to, or, like, undocked, if you have to do that. I think then yeah. you have to tilt the switch up and down to throw. Really? I believe that's true. Ooh, that feels almost worse. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that would be a downside. Anyway, I don't really, we don't need to talk more about this. Is it time for the intro to the show now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is, Is this thing on? Is this hold on tap tap tap? Uh, welcome back. We were gamers. It's been a weekend. Um, Michael and I we went and watched Stanford play. It's a good weekend, and Black Friday was in this weekend too. We even had a uh, We Were Gamers meetup of the three of us unannounced. Ooh, yeah, that's right. Had that was dinner. also this weekend. Yeah, it was an it was an, a jam packed weekend. This has been a long one that I thought that was almost a week ago now. <laughs> wow. Wow. That yeah. was fun too. It was good beer. Yes, um, and Thanksgiving and Black Friday both have, and even now by the time this posts, Cyber Monday has all come yes. and gone. Are you all still full? We have one more box of Thanksgiving leftovers to take in. Uh, that I'm probably going to take in to lunch tomorrow, and then I think we're purged of it. <laughs> we could we could probably eat for the rest of the week. Ooh, nice. That means you didn't eat enough. Uh, I mean, that means I cooked enough food for seven people <laughs> for the two of us. Nice. Thankfully, we had the benefit of having to drive home and therefore only taking partial leftovers as opposed to having made all of it at our house. Oh, you pretended your trunk was full? Or just like, you know, okay, this one container of, of turkey and this one container of stuffing is enough. Nice. <laughs> Any... uh any standouts for anybody this year? I was I was pleasantly surprised with our stuffing. Yeah, uh I you know, stuffing always a highlight. Uh oh, and dressing, which is like, you know, do you want to get into the differences, but always good. Okay, wait. We I know the differences. There's in and out. Any and outy, basically, right? We're talking yes. about here. Yes, but in it's the, the bird, s- out of the bird. Yeah, Correct, yeah. yeah. It's the same stuff though, and the stuff is great whether you cook it in or out. Okay, but but if you had to choose well, the inside stuff is better, mm. and that's just always been true as far as I know. But the outside stuff is crispy. Uh, it can be. Typically, what ends up happening, because there's just a bunch of it in a crock pot waiting for people to serve themselves at my place, uh, it gets the stuff that was inside gets put on top, so you just want to be like the first 10 people in line so that you get the good <laughs> stuff, and then the bottom stuff is just the rest. I assume Michael's uh, also an innie. Well, I I I think more often than not had dressing rather than stuffing. Um and certainly just cooking for the two of us, we only do a turkey breast rather than a whole bird. Mm. So there's not really much to stuff. And even so when you stuff it, it, it's not that much space. Like you can't get more than, you know, even making two turkeys, there's just not a ton of space to cook in there. Right, so you're gonna making two turkeys. <laughs> Look, you're gonna wind up with a, a pan of it anyway. Oh boy! All right, I'm now. I'm good. I'm not gonna eat again until next week. We're just talking <laughs> about Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, the big highlight for this show is probably Black Friday. Um, yeah, I know that it's kind of like commercialism and consumerism, and Technically, you're getting played. Honestly, to me, it feels like if you realize that people can sell things on Black Friday for the prices they do, that you're getting played the rest of the year. Yes and no. I feel like more recently, a lot of the things that have gone on sale on Black Friday have just been stuff that just hasn't sold well before Black Friday, and they just lower the price like a little bit more. So maybe it's a good deal on this thing, but... It wasn't selling great before, so was there really like a lot of demand for it? Is that really true? I I feel that it. way. I mean, switches are selling just fine. But they didn't really get a price cut, did they? They bundled new stuff with them. I got a $50 gift card for buying mine. Yeah, I mean, that's that's still bundled stuff though, right? That's essentially them saying, we're going to give you a game, but you get to pick what game it is. And it's free to them because they're the ones giving you the gift card, right? I guess. It's like return patronage for them. Yeah. But, you know, the... They're hoping for dead loss there of, you know, a third of people not even using it or something. And so, you know, there are, like, deals out there that are pretty good. I think I saw the PS4 Spider-Man bundles were going for $199. That's probably a pretty good deal there. I don't think PS4... Yeah, I think that's $100 off and a free game. 
Yeah. So that's yeah. like, you know, that's certainly a deal worth uh, but I pursuing. Also, I also think that speaks to your original point of the PS4 uh, waning in its popularity. Yeah. And this isn't like the pro PS4 or whatever, the upgraded one that they've had now. This is just the base model, normal PS4. And, you know, there's rumors and stuff out there now these days about, well, maybe there's going to be a PS5 sooner or later, you know, so it's getting to be the time to move those old PS4s. Can they call it a PS5? Because that would just be PSS. PSV? PSO. PSV, that's what they're using. Oh, wait, no, wait, wasn't PSV PS Vita? Gosh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. They just forget the Vita existed. <laughs> if they were Microsoft, I'd say they're just going to skip numbers now. Well, as it stands, unless I need major electronics or uh, smaller electronics that I don't need, or you know, most of the toys and things that you probably don't want to clutter your house up with. Black Friday is when you look for all that stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no reason outside of a sale, like why buy something at full price? Honestly. Yeah. If you can wait for it. Yeah. We have the luxury of not needing to play, you know, games on the bleeding edge here, or, you know, we don't need to have the newest and greatest PC parts or hottest console games or whatever. So, you know, hey, we can afford to wait. Thank God we don't run a podcast that requires us to do that. (laughs) 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 Oh, we were gamers. The Frugal Podcast. The podcast about playing stuff eventually. (laughs) Tune in next week and listen to us clip coupons. (laughs) Ooh. Uh, well, I alluded to it. I bought a Switch, and I got a bundled gift card. Yeah. I'm now on the Switch hype train. So have have we already allocated the gift card to something, or are we pondering it? It it feels so good, you guys, to be on the Switch hype train. The, um, the gift card was not allocated yet. Okay. Because I also found at Target on Black Friday Mario and Rabbids for twenty five dollars. That seems good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots and lots of people were super high about that game. Well, they should be. I have had some time to plug that thing into it. Uh, that is a good game, and I don't know which order to do this in. Talk about the Switch probably first. My impressions of owning a Switch that JJ can attest to wait doesn't michael have one nope oh i am now in the minority okay yay <laughs> don't be too proud about putting michael in the minority <laughs> i mean I just, that maybe I, was, did. I was assuming that was for the switch and it was yay okay. for the switch it was i'm hmm. <laughs> take foot insert into mouth oh <laughs> <sighs> um i've held a switch before i've seen it before um JJ, you mostly play yours docked? Yeah, I think I can count on less than one hand the number of times I have played it undocked. I have exclusively played mine handheld, actually. Okay. Since opening it up a few days ago. It feels like what every handheld has wanted to be and was not brave enough to be. In what way? It's got a huge screen. Right. It's got full controllers on it. Very It's important. really light. It has weird stuff that you wouldn't expect, like maybe maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't expect a touch screen. The detachable controllers are crazy. I mean, really, honestly, they're crazy, right? Like a little bit. They're so tiny. I know, I get that part, but you know, they're, they're, the idea is insane. And yeah. then you put that into, oh, it could also plug into the TV and be even better. You know, the Vita in a way, tried to be a mobile console. You know, they they made big games for it, and also you could stream from your PS3 yeah. onto it, like real full games. Um, and going back to Sega Systems and their desire to try and make the Genesis portable or take SNES games and make them portable with the the Game Gear, you know? It seems like for the last, I don't know, 15 years of playing games, that's what people have tried 
to do is like make sure that you could take your games with you in a full capacity rather than the DS or Game Boy Game Boy style capacity where it was definitely like a almost the early version of a mobile game, you know? I don't know. I didn't it didn't really click for me that that's what the Switch was before owning one. Cuz like you said, you've played yours docked. Everybody else I know plays theirs docked. And for them it's a console. Well, I think the nice thing about it is that it has that use case of, hey, I need to be moving around the house. Hey, I need to be off over somewhere here or, you know, go on a walk or do whatever. I can take this with me because it is mobile. It can do that. I have the luxury of when I want to play games, I can sit down in my office and turn on the TV and do that. Sure. Or if you want to sit with your partner and play games next to them, you can still be playing a full console game. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, if I, if I really wanted to, you know, I could go put Mario in there, grab it up and go sit down and watch TV, you know, uh, in the other room on the big TV and be playing my Mario on the, on the switch. So it's cool. I am impressed with it off the bat, despite the fact that it feels tiny and breakable. Yeah. Uh, having young kids, I think that would be a item that I would be afraid to let them play with too much, and they would probably want to play with it very much. <laughs> <laughs> Mine have not seen it, considering what they've done to my phones. Smart. They yes. will not. Wise. <laughs> um, I've, I've only put a few hours on it, but I like it quite a bit in terms of a console. I did not expect to like it more than you know, say like any other PS3 or something like that. I thought it would kind of feel the same as that or the DS, but I like it quite a bit. Um, on to Rabbids. That game, you know uh, that it's basically XCOM. Correct. Yep. With Mario and Rabbids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't played a Rabbids game by Ubisoft since the early days of the Wii single single Wii, not Wii U, mm-hmm. um, which I think was one of those crazy games where you were doing a bunch of mini games like a WarioWare or something like that. Um, I have to say it was a pretty ballsy move to, as a release game, license out Mario to Ubisoft and then hear their pitch of, we're going to make a tactical combat game for adults that also is Rabbids. I think the craziest thing about that is not even that they like let them license Mario into a game that has guns, which is maybe the, which is the second craziest thing. It's that they then let the Ubisoft characters dress up as the Mario characters and goof around. Oh, and, and they really use the costumes, right? Like the, the peach rabid, she amps it up to nine, not not quite eleven, but nine on the uh, acting, you know, acting out kind of scale. It's cool. I, I, it's really cool. And for some reason, since like I, I mentioned that I hadn't played Mar uh, Rabbids in that long, right? Because it felt like when I played Rabbids, it was definitely slapstick for later teens, early twenties people, uh, but not quite adults, you know. My recollection of Rabbids, and I don't know, do you have much experience with Rabbids, Michael? I don't. You know, I've seen little bits and pieces here and there, but I never have really played one myself. I feel like my experience of Rabbids has been, like, a lot of toilet humor and then slapstick comedy. That's literally all that there has been up until okay. now, right? Yeah. That's, yeah, I think pretty much not much else. Because they don't really talk, right? right? No. No, they just sort of scream and make gibberish sounds. Okay, yeah. Um, it's It feels like the people that made those games grew up and made this game, and the Rabbids kind of grew up with them. Like, they still act like Rabbids. They're still slapstick, and they're still doing Rabbid things where they're making, like, technology that doesn't really work, and they're still screaming and doing all those things. But at the same time... There's this rabbit, and this isn't really a spoiler, but there's this rabbit that puts on this helmet that fuses items together. 
And that's how you get the Luigi Rabbids and the all sorts of weird things that happen. Um, so he's got this helmet on that fuses things together while he accidentally shoots something that causes him to fuse himself to the helmet. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And it's, I thought it was, it looked funny for a second, but then there's like actual fear in the rabbit's face. And then it kind of makes you recognize that that's actually kind of a horrific thing to now be fully bonded into a helmet that you can't take off. And he can't close his eyes. He turns into kind of like Cyclops and everywhere he looks, he's turning things into like combos of other things. And it turns into kind of like a, oh no, this is not funny moment. This is kind of like... They've added consequence. Yeah. And that's where it felt like, oh, this isn't entirely a Rabbids game at all. This is like the first time someone introduced Dip into the Roger, who framed Roger Rabbit verse. Oh no. Right. Yes, exactly. I really like the game for that, and I really like the game for... Um, I'm not crazy far into it. You don't actually play uh, as Mario. You play as um, this character named Beepo, which is like a little mini computer. You kind of lead Mario and his team around to try and save the Mushroom Kingdom from everything that's happening. And... Um, they introduce mechanics really well. And again, it's not a game for kids. There's like a lot of movement mechanics you need to master where you need to do sliding dash attacks and then the sliding dash attacks give you more moves. And you can use that move to have one of your teammates vault you to another position and you need to have your guys behind cover just like XCOM. It's a really good, solid game. So a lot of strategy sounds like it goes oh into gosh. it. Oh, it, yeah. It kind of sounds like you can, like, combo up and, like, maybe there's, like, a perfect solution to everything where you combo this into that into the other move and then all of a sudden you've killed every single person on the map or something. They're, they're each, you know, um, each map has, like, a turn limit. Oh, okay. So they have, like, a straight up, like, hey, this is how long it takes. Yeah, you need to beat this in four or you need to get to the exit in four. Um, So they're definite needs of movement and that's kind of interesting for a game that has mario on the front of it and rabbits on the front of it you'd think it'd be a kid's game and the tactics will be very easy and they're slowly getting harder and my guys are starting to actually take damage <laughs> nothing i can do about it interesting fun fantastic switch around mario and rabbits both great yeah that's awesome dude i i saw that game when it came out and i was like man i should I kind of want to play this, and now I kind of want to play that. <laughs> <laughs> what what have you been playing there, buddy? Uh, so I have been into the Hitman 2. Uh, that was, uh, you know, I've been working my way through that. I have played all the levels now. Okay, so the long weekend was helpful there. It's yeah. not a short game, I assume. Uh, it's not that long. in ter- If you just played the levels through straight. Uh Okay. But that's not what Hitman's about. Hitman's about mastering it. Um, and I was getting my mastery up in the level of the first elusive target who came by this uh, week and we The Undying. Yes, Sean Bean, The Undying. His name is Mark Fava, or I forget what it is in the game. Anyway, and there's since a whole video and all sorts of stuff. Since you mentioned him coming out, I've had a concern, and maybe you can assuage this. Okay. Do you, does he talk enough for you to know that it's Sean B? Oh yeah, dude. There's tons of dialogue. So like, oh, okay, I, uh, you hear his voice a little bit in the trailer. You hear his voice more uh, in the mission briefing beforehand. But when you get there, you can follow him around because you know Hitman. The whole game, all the characters work on loops, right? They start in one thing and they have a pattern. They do this and they go here, then whatever, and then they go somewhere else and they do something else and they walk. You know, some loops are more complicated than others or whatever. And he has his loop that he does these four or five things. Then he goes back to the start and kind of starts over. And there's like one or one thing you can do kind of at each quote location, unquote, where he'll talk to an NPC or have a conversation with this other person or whatever, or, you know, examine this object or whatever. And in he has dialogue for almost all that stuff. And how do they get around you? Let's say you take can you take over as an NPC in one of the parts of the loop? 
Hell yeah, you can, dude. That's basically the game. Okay, so, so, you, so how do they get around? To, you have to break him out of the loop, basically, when you're, whenever you decide to make your move. Well, so 47 responds if he talks to you. You know, like, as you'll be walking next to him disguised as the scientist or whatever, he'll be like, oh, hard at work there, you know, or whatever, as he walks by you. And you'll be like, yes, sir, you know, or if you disguise yourself as one of the people in the business meeting that he's in, he'll come over and, like, ask you questions. And you'll be like, you know, in your deadpan voice, be like, absolutely, I think that that is great. Or he he asks your (laughs) opinion on whatever the thing is, and you're like, I think it would be a big mistake or, you know, whatever the I forget what the discussion was. It was about setting up some assassination later and 47's like, your, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> your 47 is very dry. Yeah. It, I it, appreciate it. It's good. It <laughs> honestly, 47 in that game is the king of comedy. It I cannot tell you how funny Hitman is. It is just like the deadpan delivery. Yes. Every time I, I talked to uh, the last time about the real estate agent thing, it, you're literally selling a house to a man you are about to murder. He asks you questions about the rooms and you're like, these hardwood floors will soak up stains very well. <laughs> like blood. <laughs> All right. So I've had a question about Hitman. How, if you are introducing yourself to the loop, does the other character not understand that you're not supposed to be there? Oh, so you're dressed up as someone he expects to be there. The, the, the main suspension of disbelief point in all of Hitman is that no one notices when 47 dresses up as someone else because people see uniforms, not people. I see. Okay. Except How for some people who do eventually see people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I screwed it up. I didn't do, I got too greedy. I got too greedy. I thought I had followed him enough. The game allows you to, as long as you have not started completing any of the objectives on these uh, elusive targets, to quit and start over. Okay. So I had followed him around a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of times uh, and kind of figured out where he's going to be, where his guards are going to be. Because they all these people have guards, you know, with guns and stuff. So you can't just, like, walk up to him, shoot him in the face and run away. Sometimes you can do that, <laughs> um, even though they even though they allow that. Um. But so I figured out, okay, uh, he's going to walk through this door. His guards come through about two seconds later. I'm going to slam the door in the guard's face. And usually that gives them like a couple seconds to go like, hey, what? And I'm going to shoot that guy in the head and run out uh, while they are confused. And like, this is the room right next to the hallway I need to be in to go downstairs and yada, yada, yada. And I guess I had taken just like a half second too long or whatever to shut the door and the guard is in the doorway now. So he just watches me as I shoot him in the head and he goes, what is this? And he just starts opening fire on me immediately. I made it out of that room and halfway down the hallway and then was killed. Oh no. (sighs) So you don't get to try it again. No, you don't. And that is the way it works. Uh, I still received as a, uh, um, for, uh, for killing him, you get an item. Uh, I got a explosive pen, which was one of the items that you could use to kill him in the level. Uh, I didn't cool. do that. Um, but I did not receive the credit for killing the elusive target, which you need to actually escape the mission to get. Oh, bummer. Oh, well. There will be many more. There were like 50 or something in the original, um, original, the previous Hitman game. So I'm sure they'll keep coming up with new ones. I feel bad in a way that Sean Bean's life was wasted because you still killed him, but then you didn't get credit for it. I mean, I got credit for killing him. I just didn't get credit for escaping from the mission without getting killed. (laughs) (laughs) Tomato, tomato. Oh man. Michael. Um, I have continued to bounce around through my steam library. So back to Starcraft then. No, actually, um, that, that continues to be, uh, kick, kick that can down the road on pause. Got it. Yeah. Um, and I like fire emblem. Yeah. I fired up one called ocean horn monster of uncharted seas. Is this the wind waker knockoff? Yes, it is. Ah, 
And it's it is a very strongly a Wind Waker knockoff. How knockoff um, is it? <laughs> it's um so it's it's isometric, uh which is probably the biggest thing that will that will strike you as being different in the play style. Um so you don't have full control over the camera to spin it around. Um so it feels somewhere in between it feels like if someone were to take um, link to the past, but set it on islands instead of in Hyrule, and then rotate the camera forty-five degrees. Oh, but you're in Hyrule. It's just underwater. Ooh, I don't know Zelda lore. <laughs> I don't know. Your boat talks to you, and the fish people talk to you. There's something yeah. else going on there. Yeah. yeah, there's fish people, there's owl people. Basically, Wind Waker is water world, just nicer with pastels. Yeah. Yeah, and this uh this has a lot of that feel to it. So wait, you have gills. Water World or Wind Waker? Wind Waker. <laughs> just just checking. So, so you've got your little boat and you're hopping around from island to island and people have tasks for you and you're trying to stop the villain and save the world and uh, but to, to set the feel for you, the game opens up with, it's the middle of the night, your father, in this case, leaves the your little house, and you have to go after him and find his sword and shield. Yeah, okay, that's linked to the past. Yeah, it, it is also, there's a thunderstorm going on outside, just to complete the... Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, in case you didn't get it. Um, but it's good. It's good. I will be glad if and when I get to the point where I can skip the sailing between islands. Oh, no. If it's the Wind Waker knockoff, you're not sailing between <laughs> islands. I think they made the boat go a lot faster in that Wind Waker remake, though, right? The, so. Yes, in the HD version, they added uh, the boat goes much quicker. Yeah. Um, will it hold your interest enough to complete this, or will you bounce to something else? Um, I'll probably finish this one up. I I don't foresee it being a super long game. Oh, okay. It doesn't um, feel like the length of a Zelda RPG. No, no, probably not. Unless they unless they add a whole lot of stuff to it. Mm-hmm. There's the the sort of equivalent of the Light World three dungeons that you get in a typical Zelda. Um, and I don't know that there's, I think there's a little more beyond that, a few more dungeons, but I don't think you get like a full back half, eight more dungeons. Wow. That sounds rad. Cool. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of fun. You know, I wanted, I wanted something a little more in this style, um, before I jump back to Starcraft. So (laughs) got to get that break before Starcraft. (laughs) Oh, well. JJ, you sound like you're perfectly positioned for this, and I don't feel like I am because I'm in the middle of Mario Rabbids now. But Flashpoint comes out tomorrow. Oh, yeah, man. New Battletech. New Battletech patch hits. Um, Will we be talking about it next week? Uh, (laughs) Maybe. I don't know, man. There's so much much going on. it doesn't feel as heavy of, of a lift. It doesn't feel like a huge... It feels like a few, maybe. I, I don't know how to describe it. That's why I keep repeating myself. Uh, mechanical changes to the game, but not maybe... It's not like a whole new story side thing, right? right. There's, yeah. There's, I, I don't think mechanical there's... Mechanical changes and new mechs. Right. There's two or three new mechs or something. Uh, yeah. There's... There's some changes in the in the career mode that would allow you to kind of skip the intro story stuff and just go st- and all the story stuff and just, just fly around and have a mercenary career. Uh, and then there are these sort of multi-phased flashpoint battles that you kind of go directly from one battle to the next battle to the next battle to the next without in-between time for repairs yeah. or whatever. Much uh, like some of the missions in that game, spoilers. Right. <laughs> uh, At this point, I think it's okay. And, you know, they, they categorize this as an expansion, or I think they call it that, right? Is that what they're calling it now? I have the Steam page open. It's called DLC. Um, 
Yeah, expansion. Mm-hmm. So They're calling it an expansion, but it's not like a story based expansion, really. Kind of as we talked. So, you know, it's a hey, I like playing BattleTech, and I want to play more BattleTech. This would be a good excuse for me to go start a new mercenary career because I don't right, care about sure. the story anymore, and I just want to fly around and make make space bucks and blow stuff up every now and then. This should do that. You know. It's almost a reward for the people that liked to do that at the end. Like I did, I'm still at like 137 hours in that game. So I definitely had, you know, 70 hours of flying around making space bucks. Yeah. And you had to do that mm-hmm. in between the missions anyway, just to upgrade your stuff or, you know, and even you trying to, too. Yeah. yeah. If you were trying to catch them all or whatever. Yeah, totally. Right. I never did catch them all, but thanks. Maybe now with Flashpoint, I can catch even more of them and still not get that achieved. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to uh, ask, are you going to put in any more time before it, uh, I one last like, push trying to unlock that tomorrow. achievement? <laughs> yeah, tonight, basically. I feel like they have redone a lot of that stuff, though. And, you know, they have talked about they've redone the um, the experience system in that game. They've redone yep. a lot of the perks and stuff and the, yeah. uh, um, the way your squad morale works and stuff. So uh, the game is probably, at this point, significantly different from back when I completed the campaign and, you know probably even from when you did so yeah the new morale system is actually something i tested out and it's very good actually you kind of wish it was that way from the beginning because it always felt like morale was this uh well for me morale was tough because i had the bug where i had 100 percent morale all the time Yeah, i definitely had a couple people who were like constantly in the like high morale state or whatever and they just murdered everyone all the time it got to be the point where, like, I had to intentionally not bring them because they killed everyone too quick. <laughs> they would, like, accidentally headshot them too much. Yeah. So, I'm excited for it. I don't know when we'll get to it as a podcast, but be warned, we will talk more Battletech when it comes on our plate. Yeah. For sure. Um, I know we still have Ranacy Football, and you guys definitely have some ranting to do. Uh, we'll do that, as always, at the end of the podcast. I want to bring back a segment that people have probably forgotten about. I didn't look up the episode we started this in, so that's a real great job by me. (laughs) Can't send people back to the first one. But it wasn't too long ago. It was like maybe two months ago. We started a a segment called the Component Class. Yeah, putting on our learning caps. Yeah. Yeah, Going back to school. It's a recap here. I'm slowly building another PC. This one is not super long in the tooth, but it's definitely starting to top itself out. Things are starting to be the right prices for what I wanted to build. And uh, so the first time around, uh, we talked about how I had purchased the power supply for my computer. And Black Friday came by. And what is a good thing to buy on Black Friday, you guys? PC components. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Turns out. I don't know. It's, it might also be something, JJ. There's stuff that just doesn't move most of the year would be PC components, right? Like maybe new video cards when they come out, they move right away for a little while and then... Right. I think the way video card prices work these days, and to be an extent other stuff like uh, like RAM memory and hard drives, although I feel like I see more sales on hard drives than I do on video cards, but... Definitely not on RAM. And RAM doesn't ever go on sale anymore. I know. It's no. very frustrating. Um, but, you know, the video cards are kind of like the prices change when the new ones come out. Or there's like a big sale like Black Friday. Or some website is trying to drive a bunch of traffic to them. They sell like, hey, we, we have these like, you know, these GTX 1080s or whatever. They're on sale for like this super low price. And so then the, like, historic, you know, if you go on those sites that track prices or whatever, you're like, wow, the historic all-time low is so low compared to what it is now. What the heck? Yeah, they were, like, 50 at that price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they kind of just sit around the rest of the year. So it's pretty rare to find steep discounts on that stuff. Right. And so, you know, it they sell a, t- a bunch when they're brand new because the people who want the latest and the greatest go out and buy them. And then they kind of just hang out until the next ones get announced or, you know, the successor lines come out or there's someone finds that there's some horrible flaw in them, (laughs) Uh, you know, and then the prices drop. I would also argue that for the rest of a computer, 
most of the parts are very utilitarian. Like um, a video card is almost not hot swappable, but in your current rig, you can drop in a new one and give new life to a lot of things. Definitely. Um, so there's something that's the most popular of everything um, versus the rest of it. And, and the rest of it does go on sale. I'm not saying it doesn't, but, but I don't imagine motherboards are moving year-round in huge volumes. Well, the, also the the build-your-own-PC market is not as big as the buy-a-PC-that-you-can-already-exists-off-the-shelf you know, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, those components move, but probably, you know, not that much. But changing your video card is actually, like you say, it's pretty easy to do. It provides generally a sizable upgrade in terms of what you can do for you know the graphics and stuff in your games. And it really is the part that has almost no basis for anything except games. Like if you uh you can build a perfectly competent PC that can browse the internet, stream as much video as you want, go on Netflix, whatever other stuff you want to do on the internet, you know, without a video card and you will probably be just fine. Oh yeah. I yeah. I've always hoped and waited for the day that somebody asked me to build them a PC and I put in mini ITX box and handed it over to them and there was no video card in it, you know? Yeah. And you can I, definitely I, do that. Yeah. Integrated graphics are very good these days. Um, so uh, everybody raise your hand if you bought some components of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I definitely did. I definitely did as well. Um, I want to talk about before we get into those, and and so this is the this is the opening shot. Um, we're not going to talk about the components today. What I know, right? <laughs> I just blew your mind, or everyone turned off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, the components themselves are good to talk about, and they're fun. And comparing notes about what we bought, because JJ, you and I bought. Some similar items, actually. Um, and I bought some stuff that you didn't. So getting into the nitty-gritty of building the PC is a lot of fun. But I had an experience that I want to relate to you guys that wanted I wanted to talk about. I was I went to Micro Center. Yes, they still exist. Yeah, like, why? I don't know the answer to why, but it was packed with people building computers. Okay. I'm sure. Yes. I mean, I guess um, there aren't that many places you can go to see a physical box of computer stuff. It's like right. there and fries. Yep. You can open up the boxes, see what they look like, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and they had some amazing deals on SSDs. I think they had the lowest prices I saw on SSDs, on any SSDs. Um, they had the lowest processor price I've seen for certain processors. They've had, they had a combo deal for motherboards. They had video cards at crazy low prices all day. They had Ram. Their Ram section was empty by the time I got there. <laughs> um, Sounds right. They're almost all of their case fans were gone. Most of their water coolers were gone by the time I got there. So micro center did a good job getting rid of their stuff. Who knows how much money they made. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically every comp I just listed every component of a computer. I, I assume close. PSUs were on sale, but I didn't even look at those cause I already had one. Um, I was in line with the few items that I had decided to purchase and the people not directly behind me, but further down the line, were talking about PCs they had built and you know, why I, oh man, I really don't know why I'm building another one. He said, holding two G, uh, RTX 280s in his hands. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a... I barely turn on my last one, and it cost me about five grand. I could have put that money into my car. That's a lot of money. Also, two RTX 280s are probably like, that's another grand or thereabouts. I was hoping that they were building one for each of them. Uh, it was the two gentlemen talking to each other. Okay. I uh, I could go with that. Sure, why not? 
It's the only part of the story that makes us feel better. Maybe they have kids. <laughs> no, they were too young to have kids. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. That's not... I. Let me retract that statement. That's an unfair thing to say to a lot of people. Um, their behavior was too juvenile to have kids. Nope, that's probably unfair too. <laughs> hope, hope, one hopes. One hopes. Um, you didn't get the impression they had children at home waiting for these computers, though. Well, this is what I want to talk about. If you had kids at home and you're worried about having had five thousand dollars to put into your car, you're not making wise financial decisions if you're dropping five grand on computers and then building RTX two eighty computers, and. Something I wanted to pick your guys' brains about overall in terms of a PC build. You know, we talked about my budget. I want to talk about budgeting for a computer for a lot of people that build out and budgeting on each component separately and what it means to take up the latest technology and why you should or shouldn't do it. You know, the philosophy of computer building, I think, for us is going to be very similar for for the three of us on this podcast, considering we're a bunch of cheapskates. <laughs> I don't um, know that that's fair, but I think it's fair to say that we have a, a certain philosophy and we all definitely agree on it. Okay. Uh, I feel like a cheapskate when building these things and seeing people in line behind me with RTX 280s. I think that there's a lot of... And I know for a fact I fell into this trap when building my first computer. I'll tell you a story, and this is this is why I know that people fall into this trap. When I was building my first computer, I bought an i7-6700K. So the K, for a lot of people that don't know this on a processor, means you can overclock it. It's unlocked, meaning you can break it or blow it up. And Intel's not going to stop you versus the other ones where they stop you from trying to blow them up. Well, or you can be reasonable and get a slight performance increase for free. But yes, yes, <laughs> that's what you should do. Uh, I did not blow mine up. I'm not alluding to that. But um, I didn't look across the board. I just looked at what was the best processor and I bought that. And then I put it on a board that didn't have overclocking. Yeah. So a lot of people drop money on things they think are the best thing when they haven't taken their entire build into account or the price to performance ratios into account. So overall, where do you guys start at when building a computer? I start with a rough overall budget. And I said it before, it was 1500 bucks, which has actually lowered itself since Black Friday. I definitely will not be spending $1,500. Hmm. So do you do you start with the I'm going to build a new computer around the new processors that came out? Do you start with I'm going to have to upgrade because my processor's old? So what where do you land on when you're building a new computer? I think the last time I started with the budget I set a budget, I think it was around the same range where you set yours about 1500 bucks. Um, you know, after doing some reading about here's a good $600 build and here's a good $900 build and here's a good yeah. $1,200 build. And, you know, based on, on what I wanted and how long I wanted it to last, I'd pick 1500 as a good, you know, I'll be able to soup this up with some stuff that I'm going to get some, some good life out of, but I'm not going to be shelling out big bucks for things that I, I probably don't need. So I think that Michael and you, Andrew, are both correct in that that is probably the best thing to do. I'm not sure that that is generally what I do because it has been, gosh, a really long time since I have ever built a PC without having a previous PC to pull from. Yeah, that's the other thing is that that lends itself best to clean sheet. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to start from nothing, like you don't have a PC now or you, you've never built one yourself before and you want to try uh, and you have nothing or maybe you've only played consoles and you want to learn you know, about how to build a PC and stuff like that, I think that's the place to start for sure. Okay. I want to talk about component pricing and not getting sucked into quote unquote it's on sale versus it's a deal for a minute. 
and also switching up at the last minute if you find something that's a better value. So leaning into that for a second, um, I found a part that I had originally budgeted out at, at around a hundred bucks. And it doesn't matter what the part was, right? I walked into the store knowing that that's what I wanted. Um, and they didn't have that, but they had something else that popped up in front of me and it was a smaller version of the same thing that did all the same stuff in a different color for a lot cheaper. Are you willing to walk away from parts if you know that you're getting equal or better performance for cheaper, even if it doesn't meet your initial specifications of um, who manufactures it, what color it is, uh, maybe some of these things don't matter to you at all, um, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, almost certainly I'm willing to do that. Uh, I think there's like a couple places where I would be less willing, uh, depending on the manufacturers and, you know, which part we're talking about. But mm -hmm. I think, you know, especially on stuff like the color or whatever, uh, who cares, man? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important though. A lot of people see their build or, you know, they go on PC part picker and they, they find a build. Right. And, um, they probably are unwilling to walk away from something they know they want for something that might be a better deal, right? And I think it's important when you're building a PC to always keep your eyes out for specific ideas of, like, chipsets, right? You know, you want a 1070 or a 1070 Ti, or you want a H370 or a Z370. It's, these are all numbers for people, you know? Mm-hmm. That mean almost nothing, but no, you're looking for an i5 4790, or you're looking for an i7 8600, or whatever. Right, but right down the line from that processor might be the one step up or the one step down, and it might be the same price for one step up, or it might be fifty bucks cheaper for one step down, and then you really have to evaluate why you wanted that piece, and I think that that's important to do even after you've finished your build. Um, okay. And some something that maybe these guys didn't do. <laughs> could have gone with a 2070. They were on sale for actually good price if you could afford it. Um, and then I think there's another component to this too, which is don't get sucked into something that's not a good deal. And I want to give an example of something I didn't buy yet. Maybe there's a chance in this cyber week uh, of getting this, but I did not buy a graphics card this Black Friday, which I set out only to be doing this Black Friday. I didn't think I was going to get past this. But I had originally bought my current 970 for $300. And I expected to see 1070s this Black Friday for $300. And I didn't find it. Coming Cyber Monday, I started to see 1070 TIs for $350. Mm -hmm. Well, if the 1070s haven't come down to $300 and the 1070 TIs are $15 or $20 more, you can't walk into the 1070s and think, oh, well, then $300 is a good deal. You know what I mean? It might be, depending on your budget. And it might be depending on what you want out of the card. Right. But keeping an eye on the other components in its class, like I said earlier, is a good idea, especially because you might find out that the deal you think you're getting is not a good deal. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point to make. Uh, you should definitely be on the lookout. You know, like you say, if the, the TI chipset, for those who don't know, is the one that's like a half step up from the regular one. Yeah, it's of. basically the 1075, 1070 right? Like plus, of, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not quite it's, as powerful as a 1080, but it's pretty close. And then, and much you know, cheaper. usually mm -hmm. it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. So, you know, the, uh, I think the thing to always pay attention to is, okay, maybe you can get that 1070 TI for 
you know, an extra $50 or $30 or whatever it is. And then the question is, well, like, what are, what is that extra power going to get you? You know, hopefully the goal is since, you know, we don't really build these computers to play the latest and greatest games most of the time. It gets you the ability to not have to buy another graphics card for three plus years, hopefully. <laughs> right. I'm on three years yeah. now and starting to wonder if I'm going to make it another two, right? I want it. Right. I only want another one because we're starting to top things out. Yeah. And, on and a so, 970. Yeah. Right. And so I also have a, um, a 970 and playing Hitman 2, I can tell you, I have been struggling a bit in a few places. I've turned, I've turned settings down, you know? Yeah, that's not what you want. It's time to go. I want to. I want to see all the stuff. I want to click ultra on everything and go. Yeah. Right. You uh, want all those textures? Yeah, so many textures. And for me, that was three years ago. It was a nine seventy. So, um, do we want to keep it a surprise what we got? Maybe for the next time we do this. Yeah, sure. Leave okay. them hanging a little bit. Well, if people want to uh, send us what they got, and then we'll talk about whatever they got. Uh, we have an email for that. It is podcast at wewergamers.com. Uh, send it there, and we'll be uh, checking in on that and bringing you more about what we ended up getting uh, right. in the next episode. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter on, at we Were Gamers. Follow us on those places, please. Uh, like and subscribe to this podcast wherever fine podcasts are available. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see more of you guys and hear from you next week. All right, time to get angry. Fantasy football, you guys go. (laughs) I lost by 3.6 points because Deion Lewis, dang it. (laughs) That's really the worst feeling ever. Just shy of four for me. I guess to be clear, it's not Deion Lewis's fault only. I have a bunch of other people on my team who didn't do very much either, and he got actually more points than one of the people I did play. But I made all the right calls. Like, every person on my team scored more than the people that are on my bench. So I did the right things. It's just some of these people sucked. (laughs) My kicker only got three. Like, you know, I needed something else. That takes the sting out of it, though. Right? When you you made all the right choices, that takes the sting out of it. I don't feel bad. It's just a bummer to lose. Like, in, you know, a weekend where the fantasy playoffs are coming up pretty soon. Yeah it's it's win or go home time you know in some cases uh yeah i am currently playing for the buy i'm trying to get myself that buy right now so very important buy yeah uh i outscored every other team in my league uh and by 20 points ish all of them the high the next highest you know Mm -hmm. the next highest is 20 points behind that's always a good feeling. Who was, of course, the guy I was playing? Got him. <laughs> and no, uh, I spent the whole weekend sweating because the first guy he played was Amari Cooper. Oh, no. no. <laughs> the second guy that came up was Leonard Fournette. Who had a monster kept, game, but <laughs> that ejection. Uh, the next guy that came up was Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> also had a good game. And I'm like staring at my lineup of dudes that all scored 15 points going, I'm going to lose this guy whose team is just up and down with like 30 point players, zero point players, 30 point players, zero point players. That was me this week, though. I had Drew Brees, who gave me more than 20. I had Christian McCaffrey, who went absolutely nuts and put up like 40 plus. He he was Thanksgiving ham on everybody. And... Between those two players, that was over 70, 60% of the points on my team. Wow. And everyone else was like, you know, maybe this guy got 10, this guy got five, this guy got seven. That was it. That was my team. <laughs> yeah. So I just looked at the scores and I'm like, I'm, I'm doubling almost all the teams in the league. I'm almost doubling them and I'm sweating the dude I'm playing. What is happening? <laughs> this should not be allowed. You know, uh, the league I play in at work has a payout for the people who get highest score each week. Ooh. Oh, that's neat. That's an interesting idea. I have already won uh, 18 of my $20 uh, back in that league. So From payouts. Wow. That's yeah. cool. We do, that in, uh, we do that in my office pick'em pool. So yeah. we buy in at like 
37 bucks and then there's a, a payout at the end for the big prize but there's also like a every person chips in a dollar for each week of the season and then that pays out on a rolling basis so it just makes everybody feel a lot better though when you're like okay well i'm the highest scorer well what if you're the second highest scorer and you played against the highest that must feel so bad bummer <laughs> yeah and you don't get the money or the win yeah, yeah. the uh the way it works in my work league is that it's a, uh, it's it's we pay uh, for the whole season all at once, and then the prize pool for the the winner in the second place is comparatively not that high, because there's like six dollars or something I think allocated to each week of the regular season for whomever scores the most points, and it also gives someone a reason to care. So maybe your team is not doing that good. You know, maybe you're probably not going to make the playoffs. So, like, really, why do you have to care? You can kind of tune out and fantasy kind of towards the end there. Well, actually, because of the way football works, any given Sunday, some team can throw up a bunch of crazy touchdowns and end with a huge score. So it yep. gives you a reason to care if you're kind of losing on the losing end of a season and there's really no way to turn it around. Do you because, have anybody in your leagues? And we have some in ours that have just given up and they're starting in active players and all that sort of stuff. Uh, not in that league, but in other leagues, yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. I think the sh- commissioner should step in and start players for them, take over their team. Or yeah, what do you think? Or do you think it's just fantasy football as the last question for the day? Yeah, that always that always bothers me are the people who just sort of hang it up and and stop caring. Typically what if that happens for more than like one week, I will generally suggest that that person not play next year. Mhm. Fair enough. It definitely ruins the game. Um, you know, if like a a team that's winning a lot plays a team that essentially isn't playing, it's you know, free wins, man. It shouldn't be free. <laughs> freedom costs a buck oh five what do they say jj on to on to next week <laughs>